Hello and welcome to Soothing Pods Sleep Stories. My name is Chris, and tonight I will be your guide as we sail across the sea and follow a map to Treasure Island, where the buried riches of a famed pirate await us. This classic retelling of Robert Louis Stevenson's novel will take us on board creaking ships, cross sparkling seas, and to the sands of tropical islands to reach a night of peaceful rest. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to relax and find peace and comfort in the place that we're in, here and now. Close your eyes and let your body sink into the soft, comfortable surface you are lying on. Allow yourself to drift off slowly, following the sound of my voice, as here and now there are no obligations and no responsibilities. There is no to-do list and no matters that need to be tended to. In the course of our seafaring journey, you will gradually relax and find peaceful and nourishing rest for your body and mind. With your eyes still closed and your body sinking deeper and deeper into the surface you are resting on, try and imagine something with me just for a moment. You are no longer in your room. Instead, you find yourself lying on a serene, empty beach. Overhead, the warm afternoon sun beams down on the sand around you, illuminating it in a sleepy, beautiful glow. It's the kind of afternoon sun that reminds you of long days on the beach. The time of day where everyone is ready to close their eyes and recover after mornings of splashing in the water and feeling those warm rays kiss their skin. With the beach all to yourself, you are really able to take in the beauty that is around you. Overhead, A palm tree sways gently in the breeze. You can hear the fronds dancing against one another, swishing as their green leaves meet and depart. As they do, the sunlight filtering through them changes, growing darker and lighter, swaying and dancing across your sun-kissed skin. Beyond the fronds of the peaceful palms, you see birds sailing through the clear, soft blue sky. The cottony clouds that pepper the sky around them look like they've been plucked out of a cartoon or a painting. They're so fluffy, so perfectly white, that they pop out against the deep blue sea behind them. The birds seem utterly at peace, sailing through the sky without a care in the world, drifting wherever the wind takes them. And 
you can truly feel the gentleness of the wind. It brushes against your warm skin, whisking away any heat that could be overwhelming and leaving you the absolutely perfect temperature. On the breeze, you can smell the aromas of this peaceful, coastal world. The briny, invigorating smell of the ocean. The warm, coconut aroma of the palm trees and drinks in the restaurants on the shore. The smell of wildflowers growing on the cliffside, overlooking the sea, just on the other end of the cove you are cozied up on. And you can see that breeze in motion as well. It ripples across the surface of the stunning ocean, creating tiny ripples that spread and glide the opposite direction of the wave's motion. But the waves lapping against the sea, that is what makes you feel the most at peace. You watch them as they retreat into the ocean, making a calming, whooshing noise as they do so. Then you watch as they hesitate out in the ocean for a minute, preparing to shift their direction. Slowly, the waves begin to make their way back to shore. The crest of them is white, a mix of foam and mist that you can practically feel, no matter how far away the waves may be. They pick up speed as they reach the shore, and then, finally, they crash against the sand. As they crash, the calm waves create a gossamer of sea foam and mist, a refreshing haze that reminds you of the magic of the ocean. As the waves retreat, they leave behind foam that bubbles as it slowly disappears. Following the rhythm of the waves retreat, you find yourself taking a deep breath in. And then, slowly, as the waves make their way to shore, you exhale feeling any negativity or stress leave your body. As the waves crest the shore, you let out the final breath of your exhale. As the waves head back out, you breathe in deeply, feeling the air nourish you as the waves nourish the sea. Then, you exhale watching as the waves crash against the shore. Once more, take a deep breath in as the waves make their way towards you. As they retreat out to sea, you exhale, feeling nothing but positivity and comfort inside of you. Now that we have taken the time to relax and find peace and comfort here and now, let us begin our story. It took quite some time for Squire Trelawney, 
Dr. Livesey and a few others involved to convince Jim Hawkins to write about his experience on Treasure Island. To write about his quest for gold and the growth he found within it as a young lad. In his retelling, he refuses to tell us the island's exact location because there is still treasure buried there, waiting for someone to find it. But the real story, the real beginning of the journey to Treasure Island, takes place on the coast of England on a dreary, cold night. The rain fell down in buckets on the coastal town. The downpour slicked the cobblestone streets and coursed between each stone, reflecting the light of the oil lamps flickering overhead. It was, by all accounts, a dim, unassuming day with little potential or opportunity. It was a night to stay in, to put a kettle over the fire, to relax. And yet, it was the night that set in motion a wildly different life for young Jim Hawkins, who was sweeping the floor of his father's Admiral Benbow Inn. Jim swept the floors most nights, inching closer to the sailors and passers-by who stopped to rest their weary heads and have a drink. It wasn't the best place for a young boy in most people's opinion. But Jim loved it. He loved listening to the sailors' stories. He clung to their words, clung to their tales of adventure, and soaked up each and every one. A fire igniting within him as he heard of the adventures that awaited him out across the sea. But on this night, there was a sailor that stood out from the usual guests. He was old and grizzled, giving off an air that told people he had seen more than they could even imagine. He tossed a few gold coins down on the counter with a plink, plink sound, and promptly occupied a room, staying for several nights, much longer than the coins he provided could cover. The captain, as he called himself, was a rough man, a man who made his presence known. He spent most nights and evenings drunk, singing coarse sailors' songs and arguing with anyone who dared question his drinking or his singing. One night, the captain pulled Jim aside and handed him money, paying him to be on the lookout for a one-legged sailor. The captain clearly feared the one-legged sailor, and seeing someone so fierce, afraid of anyone at all, conjured up a million thoughts in Jim's mind. One evening, a man missing two fingers 
came into the inn. He asked for Billy Bones, his dear mate. After hearing Billy had a scar on his cheek, Jim knew instantly that he was referring to the captain who had taken up residence with them. When Billy returned for the night, his expression darkened at the sight of his mate, who Jim soon learned was named Black Dog. Almost immediately, Black Dog and Billy found themselves in a violent argument, one that ended with Billy Bones swinging his sword at Black Dog, and then collapsing on the floor having had a stroke. Dr. Livesey took Billy to his room and cared for him, urging him to stay away from rum, as it could kill him. Under his father's orders, Jim tended to the bedridden Billy, who begged Jim for a single swig of rum in exchange for money. Jim felt sorry for Billy, and gave him a single glass of rum, after urging him to pay what he owed his father for rent. The touch of the rum ignited a fire within Billy, who told Jim that he was on the run. The crew of the ship he was previously on, led by a fierce man named Captain Flint, was hunting for him and the mysterious contents of his sea chest. A few days later, a blind beggar arrived at the inn. He handed Billy the Black Spot, a secret pirate code that Billy looked devastated to receive. Struck by fear, Billy tried to rise from his bed, exclaiming that he only had six hours left before they would come for his sea chest. Overwhelmed, Billy collapsed on the floor, passing away. Jim called in his mother, telling her of the pirate's plan to steal Billy's sea chest. Unsure of what to do, the two ran to a neighboring village, seeking anyone who would help them. Unfortunately, At the mere mention of Captain Flint's crew, fear sparked in the villagers' eyes. They shook their heads, telling Jim and his mother that they could not help. Out of options, Jim and his mother returned to the inn to open the sea chest for themselves. Around Billy's neck hung a golden key surely the key to open the chest. The key clicked into the lock with a delightful tink, and as they opened the old chest, it creaked with age, creaked with the promise of stories it had to tell. Inside, at the bottom of the chest, there was a layer of gold coins. Jim's mother took what was owed to the family, but as soon as she scooped the coins into her coin purse, they heard pounding footsteps just outside. Knowing the pirates were upon them, hurriedly, 
Jim grabbed the carefully folded papers they also found inside the chest and fled out the window. Feeling faint from the adrenaline, he and his mum hid beneath a nearby bridge, out of sight of the inn, but well within earshot. Jim peeked out from his hiding spot to see eight pirates gathered around the inn. They spoke their disappointment. Clearly, it wasn't the gold within the sea chest that they were interested in. Pew, the blind beggar, ordered the other pirates to split up in search of the fugitives. We will be as rich as kings when we find them. When we find what was inside the chest, he barked. The pirates found themselves in a violent quarrel soon after, in which Pew was shot dead, and eventually the rest scattered, making it safe enough for Jim to come out from hiding. He soon became aware that the papers in his possession were what the pirates were searching for. Desperate for help and answers, he went to the home of Dr. Livesey, hoping that he could guide him. Upon arriving, Jim learned Livesey was dining at the home of Squire Trelawney, a wealthy local man. Livesey and Trelawney investigated the papers. Surprised, Trelawney told young Jim that Captain Flint was a pirate more violent, more bloodthirsty, more hungry for riches than the infamous Blackbeard ever was. The papers were not just ordinary papers. They were a log of all the gold Flint had accumulated. Perhaps the most thrilling paper of all, however, was a map to an island where all of Flint's treasure was now buried. Livesey and Trelawney were overcome with excitement. This amount of gold would change all of their lives. They immediately began planning to set sail for the island, with Jim joining as their cabin boy. The group was sworn to secrecy, promising that the existence of the treasure would remain between them. Soon after, Livesey was able to secure them not only a ship, but a crew as well. The ship, named the Hispaniola, would be their home as they set sail for Treasure Island. Jim immediately takes notice of a guy called Long John Silver, a one-legged sailor who longed to experience life out on the sea just one more time, and agreed to serve as the crew's cook. Thrilled by the adventure that lay before him, Jim shared a tearful farewell with his mother, promising to come back a rich man and change their lives. As they set sail, Jim, Livesey, and Trelawney introduced themselves to Mr. Arrow, 
the first mate, who everyone liked from the start. The ship's captain, Captain Smollett, however, proved to be a negative, judgmental, and opinionated man. Smollett made the crew aware of his dislike for them, and his fear that their journey was doomed. He spoke briefly of nonsensical talk about a map and treasure, something that concerned Jim, Livesey, and Trelawney, as they suspected that their secret had somehow gotten out. As they journeyed further away from the green coastline, Jim was energized by the promise of what was before them, thrilled to feel like a pirate out at sea, to feel the mist in his hair and the wind in his face. However, things turned for the worse very quickly. Though Mr. Arrow seemed promising at first, Things changed the moment the crew set sail. He drank wildly, and only a few nights into the trip, he completely vanished. The crew assumed he had fallen overboard in a drunken stupor, which left them to figure out how to reorganize their crew. However, Jim was not concerned Rather, he was mesmerized by Silver, who was more of a pirate than anyone else, even missing a leg. He was able to swiftly make his way around the deck and keep things under control in a way that no one else could. In addition, his parrot, who he swore was 200 years old, was a delight to have aboard. For the first few weeks, the journey seemed to be going well. Trelawney and Smollett didn't particularly get along, but their frustration and negativity was kept to a minimum. Jim felt like he had finally found a life of adventure, a life of excitement, and he truly realized what an adventure he was on when, one day, he climbed into an apple barrel to retrieve an apple. Hidden inside the apple barrel, Jim was shocked to hear Silver talking with the other crew members he brought aboard. He regaled them with tales of his adventures with Captain Flint, sailing as one of his crew members. And soon, others chimed in. All of the crew members he brought aboard the ship were members of Flint's old crew, all pirates who knew of the treasure and were planning to take it for themselves. Silver bragged that even some of the other crew members have joined in on the plan, though a select few have refused. Jim was frozen in the barrel, unsure of what to do. He had no idea that Silver and the crew he brought aboard were conspiring against them. Surely, they would do anything to ensure the gold and riches went home with them, and not with Jim, Livesey, and Trelawney. Jim decided 
he had to do something before they reached land. But just as he was about to crawl out of the barrel, Land Ho was called from the upper deck. In the distance, the beautiful white sand beaches of Treasure Island sparkled. Smollett and the crew quickly got to work discussing where they would drop the anchor. And, as they did, Smollett unfurled a map. A map that Jim noticed did not contain an X where the treasure was buried like his own did. Silver offered some advice, swearing he knew and loved the island well, having visited it multiple times. He winked at Jim, telling him the island was one of the most beautiful in the world. Pleased with Silver's knowledge of a good place to dock, Smollett congratulated the crew and urged everyone to get ready to dock at the island. A bit later, Jim managed to find Smollett and Trelawney below deck. Frantically, he warned them of what he had overheard. Trelawney was devastated, blaming himself for hiring the crew. Smollett helped everyone remain calm, urging them to stay on their toes and remain vigilant. Overhead, the sun glared down on the ship, the humidity simmered in the air. The landscape was wildly different from the subdued, rainy landscape of England. Smollett and Trelawney consulted with a few of the honest sailors, telling them of their plan to lead the crew ashore as a diversion and then reclaim the ship as their own. The honest sailors took the weapons and swore their loyalty to the captain. Wanting to help somehow, Jim climbed onto one of the pirates' boats, heading ashore with them. As soon as they landed on shore, he scrambled away from them, not wanting to be near them in case they saw through his intention. For a few moments, Jim journeyed around the island in a dreamy state. He had never seen anything quite as beautiful as this. The turquoise water and white sand were mesmerizing, and the palm trees swaying overhead brought him a sense of peace he had never experienced before. He listened to the sound of the birds overhead, of the waves, of the peaceful buzz and hum of the crickets and bugs on the island. But his peace was soon spoiled by the sound of Silver talking to someone. He had Tom, an honest sailor cornered, and urged him to join the mutineers. Tom declined, saying he would take part in no such plot. But a nearby scream, the scream of Alan, another loyal sailor, clearly sent a shiver down Tom's spine. It was clear Tom was not making it off the island 
without joining the mutineers, and his refusal to do so would lead to his death. Terrified, Jim ran away from the scene as Silver attacked Tom. Desperate for safety somewhere, anywhere, Jim traveled deeper and deeper into the forest. In the distance, he saw the outline of a man leaning against a tree. He approached him, weapon in hand, and demanded to know who the man was. He responded that he was Ben Gunn, a man who had been marooned on the island for three years. He spoke with energy, in a nonsensical way, that made Jim think he was losing his mind. Soon, however, Jim came to learn that Ben was once a member of Flint's crew, and he was very familiar with all the mutineers who are on the island now. Ben promised to help Jim locate the treasure in exchange for a safe trip home. Three years ago, Ben was left behind on the island after a failed trip to retrieve the treasure. All he wanted was to return to his homeland. He told Jim that he had a boat and that he was well aware of the location of the treasure. Thrilled by this discovery, Jim joined Ben happy to have an ally against these pirates. Aboard the ship, Captain Smollett, Trelawney, Livesey, and two loyal sailors, Tom and Abraham, decided to head for the island in hopes of rescuing Jim. As they rowed to shore, their anxiety began to rise. Soon, they were struck by a cannonball fired by Israel one of the mutineers, and an expert shot. Forced to abandon their provisions, they swam to shore. Instantly, they found themselves surrounded by gunfire and cannons from the mutineers. They feared for Jim's safety, but not for long. As night began to fall, Jim and Ben made their way to the stockade where the map crew was hiding. Having followed the Union Jack flying above the stockade, soon after, Silver approached with a flag of truce. He offered a ceasefire in exchange for the map that would lead to the location of the treasure. He promised that Smollett's crew would be able to return home. But... Smollett refused. Furious, Silver stalked off, leaving the crew to wait as they knew Silver would seek revenge after being rejected. The battle that ensued after was short-lived, but heart-pounding. Jim, Smollett, Livesey, and Trelawney all survived having lost fewer crew members than the mutineers did. Driven by the spirit of the adventure and heroism, Jim took Ben's boat and paddled to the Hispaniola, 
cutting it loose from its anchor. On board the ship, he was surprised to find only the mutineer pirate Israel. After a brief fight, in which Jim sustained several superficial knife cuts, he was able to overcome Israel and escape the ship. When he returned to shore, however, he was shocked to find Silver and the pirates in the stockade where his crew had once been. Silver spoke to Jim fondly, telling him that Livesey was furious at Jim's desertion and gave Silver the map to the treasure. Jim was not hurt by these words, as he noticed something interesting about the mutineers. They were ready to become violent, and Silver was clearly having trouble managing them. Soon, Jim and Silver found themselves alone. Silver whispered to Jim, telling him that the men are close to yet another mutiny. In order to make it out of this alive, he and Jim needed to rely on each other. He urged Jim to pretend to be a hostage so he could gain control over his men once more, and Jim agreed. As Silver frantically tried to control his crew, Dr. Livesey came to tend to the pirates, part of the agreement he made when he handed over the map. Jim could feel Livesey's disapproval, but as Livesey tended to Jim's wounds, the two were able to talk. Jim revealed he knew the location of the Hispaniola, and that they could escape aboard it when the time was right. The next day, Silver and the crew set out in search of the treasure. Uneasy on their journey, the crew was even more put on edge at the sight of a skeleton with its arm outstretched pointing toward the treasure. From the forest, Ben Gunn called out Captain Flint's last words in an eerily haunting tone convincing them that his ghost was walking the island. Fearful and mistrusting, the crew finally came upon the treasure chest, only to discover it empty. Immediately, they turned on each other. Jim was relieved when Gunn, Livesey, and Trelawney swept in, striking down the pirates and taking Silver as prisoner. Jim came to learn that long ago, Gunn had found the treasure and brought it into his cave. Delighted to have found the riches, Jim and the loyal sailors boarded the Hispaniola with Gunn, Livesey, and Trelawney, setting sail for home. After stopping somewhere in Spanish America, Silver escaped, taking a bag of riches with him. Unbothered, the crew returned home, splitting up their riches back in Bristol. They looked upon the gold that they had gathered with smiles on their faces, knowing that the journey they took, the journey of a lifetime, was well worth it. I hope you have enjoyed this sleep story, 
and it has brought you a night of peaceful, restful sleep. Please, join me again tomorrow night for another sleep story. Until then, sweet dreams. <laughs>